Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Today's episode, we're diving into five specific ways that you can get more clients, even with a tiny list, a tiny audience, or a tiny following. If you have been following my story for any period of time, you'll know that I started a business online from scratch. So doing exactly what I'm about to describe to you. And more importantly, I've also done this offline, building a business to $50 million in 18 months from scratch, being able to do this with a small but mighty team using a lot of the same principles and strategies that I'm going to dive in deep with you today. We're going to keep this one as simple as possible. And in today's episode, I actually want to dive a little bit deeper than just what people are saying to you out loud, because I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter what the objection is. And yes, I know that that sounds really odd coming from a sales uh, expert, but when we go a layer deeper than what they're actually saying out loud to you, it will give you so much more confidence in your ability to move forward regardless of what objection may be coming up during your conversations, your sales presentations, or as you're meeting with individuals who could be potential clients, okay? So the number one question that I get asked is, Susan, where do I get more clients? Susan, how do I get more clients? Uh, In case you heard a theme here, it's where do I get more clients? Now, regardless of how many people you may already have in your audience or your list, I think sometimes we forget about the basics of what actually drives our clients to wanting to work with us in the first place. So whether you have a tiny list, a tiny audience, maybe less than 100 followers or 100 people on your email list, or whether you have 10,000 people on your email list or social media following and everything in between, this is going to be effective for you regardless because we miss the basic principles of why people buy and how we connect to one another, which I think is a lot easier to get caught up in this, especially nowadays, because there's just so much access to information. So the very first thing that I want you to think about in getting more clients is asking for referrals. Now, I know that a lot of folks think that they have a really good referral process in place, but when I ask them, there is some room for improvement. So when I did this, this this was the very first marketing campaign that I ran in order to build that offline business to 15 million. The vast majority of our clients came from referrals. We used external partners and internal partners. And what I mean by that is internal partners are people who already work inside the business. Now, at this point, I was an entrepreneur. I was building this business for somebody else. I was doing this inside of my corporate career, but I was building a business from scratch. And there were other people inside of the organization that could help me, that could refer clients to me. 
And so I used them as referral partners. I also had external people that could refer clients to me, external partners. What the heck does that mean? Well, external partners are people outside of the business organization, meaning for me, it was centers of influence, people in the community, other business leaders. So I looked to the mayor, I looked to our uh, lawyers, doctors, uh, accountants, realtors, I looked at folks who might have similar people in their audience that I would be able to say, could you refer some clients to me? Could we sit down and become referral partners? And I'm going to tell you that 50% of our uh, actions, our activities and our clients ended up coming from referrals. Now here's what I want you to know, not every single referral partner is built the same. This requires uh, you to be dedicated. It requires you to build a relationship. It also requires you to hold people accountable and to have regular conversations and discussions. If this is an area that you want to use as part of your business model, then you can't just be haphazard about it. You can't just be uh, very responsive. You can't just let it ride in their court because I'm going to tell you that people are busy. And unless you make it a priority for them, unless you make it a win-win-win, meaning a win for you, a win for them, and a win for the people that you are working together with, then it's a lot easier for them to just simply forget about it. My best referral partners would send us regular referrals. We're talking about easily one referral a week, at least. And I want you to understand that if you have the ability to have somebody sending you a client every single day or every single week or every single month, whatever that looks like for you, how much could that impact your business? If it could impact it a lot, I want you to consider adding this in as part of your regular routine and a regular strategy in order to help you to get even more clients, especially right now. Number two is networking. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I am an introvert. I really don't like schmoozing and talking to a lot of people for no purpose whatsoever. I pick the networking events that I go to, whether it's virtual or in person. Now, right now, at the time of this recording, it's February of 2021. There's not a heck of a lot of in-person things going on, but depending on where you are in the world, if there are still things going on face-to-face -face in your local communities, I will highly recommend it especially if you are a local based business. Now, if you are able to do things more virtually, then you can expand what your networking opportunities might look like. However, do not simply throw spaghetti against the wall because this is where you're going to get burnt out by doing too many things at the same time and have very little to show for it. Now, I'm going to tell you again, building that massive business, I did a lot of networking events. We tried everything. And we narrowed it down very quickly because we identified the key relationships that we were building outside of these networking events from meeting them at certain places that these were the areas that we wanted to focus on. So you will have some trial and error, but I will recommend that once you have something that makes sense for you, just put it on autopilot where every single time that they have that networking event going on, that you have it scheduled already into your calendar. I live and die by my calendar, meaning that if it's not on there, it's not going to get done. And I am assuming that you are very similar. So if you keep making plans to go to a specific networking event that you have been meaning to go to, but it never happens, why is that? 
Is it really important to you? Now, again, I'd say about 25% of the business results that I've seen in the past have come directly related to networking. And I want you to understand that networking can be a very lucrative part of how you can get clients. Now, there is no shortage of places to go and search for networking events. In fact, if you were to Google this right now, I'm going to guess that you're going to find at least three pages worth, at least. The last time I did this, I actually found like 10 or more. You can search by keywords. You can search by your industry. You can search by association. You can search by your niche. You can search by gender. You can search by your location. There are so many different ways that you can search in order to find the networking events that make the most sense for you. And again, if you're not sure where to start, ask somebody that you have uh, either met or that you think would be a good fit for you, where would they go in order to go to network? Because your best clients will attract your other best clients. Now, the third place that I want you to take a look at to get clients, especially if you have a tiny list, uh, very little following, no connections, because that was me building both of these types of businesses. Now, in the online space, I primarily focused on social media largely because I couldn't leave my house and I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to do a lot of things that would be required for both the referrals and the networking. And truth be told, I didn't even know what I was selling at the beginning. So for me, I wanted to just go and see how I could connect to folks, build relationships, see what the need was. And so I really put all chips in with social media. For me, the place that I started was on Facebook. Now we have since expanded, but if you've heard me talk and time and time again, that you really only need to pick one platform to begin with, especially in the early stages. So if you have less than the number of clients that you want right now, if you not, you are not generating consistent five-figure months, then you do not want to be spreading yourself too thin and uh, focusing on multiple platforms, especially at the same time. I want you to focus on one, master it, see what's working, and then take what's working and move it over to another platform. This includes your social media, especially your social media, because you are on there to use it for business purposes. It is very different than using it in order to just uh, be personal. And you still want to incorporate being personal because people buy from people and it's called social media for a reason. But at the same time, you're not supposed to be on there for six to eight hours a day, just hanging out with random and idle chit chat. That is the first and easiest way to get burnt out and to hate what you're doing, no matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert like me. Now, social media is great because, again, depending on which platform you're looking at, it can really help you to identify the characteristics and the demographics and psychographics of your ideal client. It gives you so much data and information about the people that you're communicating with and starting to build those relationships. Now, the number fourth thing, which is really, really um, kind of goes hand in hand with all of these pieces, and it will amplify the results that you're uh, going to be able to see and to focus on is other people's audiences. Now you're going to be able to see that referrals kind of ties into this, right? Because when you tie into a referral, you're tapping into somebody else's audiences. When you are networking, you're going into somebody else's audience. When you're using social media, you can grow your own, but you can also use other people's audiences. So what does this mean specifically in the context of this particular strategy? Well, in this particular strategy, what I want you to think about is how can you borrow or leverage somebody else's audience? So as an example, my good friend, 
Belinda, Belinda Rosenblum, who has been a, one of our wonderful guests here, go back and listen to her episode. We will tag it down below for you in the show notes. But Belinda is a money expert, right? She talks about money mindset. She talks about the uh, cash flow principles that as a uh, cash flow CEO, you want to be on top of in order to manage and grow your money. Now, her audience and my audience are similar, but they're also different and they're very distinct. Belinda has been building her business for, gosh, like 10 years, I think at this point. And so there have been times where we have collaborated and she has brought me in as a guest expert for her programs, both uh, paid as well as for her free uh, summit series and things that I have shared here on the show as well. And as a result, it has exposed me to her audience. This has allowed me to grow my audience and to allow me to tap into some of the people that I might be able to serve that are part of her audience. This is what I mean by other people's audiences. Now you can do this in a number of ways. You can be a guest expert or speaker for a summit or a series, or even for a paid program. You could be a, you could do a swap, right? With uh, promoting each other's free lead magnets. You could be able to, um, speak at their live event or their pre-recorded event by being a, a series or a summit speaker. You could go in and uh, present at a Facebook group for somebody else, right? So there's lots of different ways for you to be able to leverage this, this specific strategy. But what I want you to think about is who has an audience that is similar to yours, that provides a complimentary service that you would be able to add some additional value to, and how can you serve them? How can you serve the host, the leader of that community, as well as the people inside of that community? And then number five is to go where they are. Now, I know that that sounds pretty straightforward, but I'm going to tell you that your people are hidden in plain sight. They are literally all around you and you are just spinning your wheels wondering where they are because either you don't know who they are and if that's the case go back and take a listen through I'm pretty sure we have an episode in, um, that will give you a little bit more clarity about who your perfect person is and like how to get clarity around that we'll link that up below in the show notes for you here um, but once you have that clarity it's very easy for you to now go and find them when you go to where they are I want you to think about creating a contest or some sort of a giveaway, give something away. Now you may already have a freebie that works like gangbusters, especially if it is something that is aligned to your paid offer and it directly speaks to a major pain point. So I'll give you a couple of examples for me. Uh, when I do a lot of my uh, free resources, the very first one that I did that is still extremely popular today is three ways to turn I can't afford it into sign me up. Because when my ideal clients are having sales conversations, especially when they're talking to their dream clients, they are worried about hearing this pricing objection. They're worried about people asking them that they're just not going to be able to afford the price. And so I want to arm them with this valuable information. It is also directly aligned to how I help my clients in helping them to overcome not only this objection, but all the objections and how to uh, structure their sales conversations in such a way that they actually never have to worry about objections in the first place. Because when you have identified a process that works, that sells without you having to sell or strong arm somebody into the end conversation and the ultimate yes, then you know that you have a system that works because even if you've worked 
in other programs and they've given you all of these scripts and templates and formulas and different ways to overcome the objections and like power through and you're still struggling, it's probably because you don't understand one of these three things that is actually holding your ideal clients back from being able to say confidently yes to your programs, your services and your products. So this is across the board, no matter what it is that you sell, okay? Because this is dependent on you and your ideal clients. And even if you don't interact with your clients, maybe it is that you run an e-commerce store or you sell digital products where it's self, kind of self-serve. Um, this is across the board because we're dealing with human behavior and we're dealing with uh, human psychology, like sales psychology. So number one is there's something about you that doesn't quite resonate, right? So there's some disbelief. So all of this is coming as it relates to beliefs and patterns and thoughts. And in order for you to change those behaviors, patterns and thoughts, you need to dig into their belief system, okay? So that's that's gonna be the core foundation of all three of these. So there's three specific things. So number one is you, and we're gonna go into a little bit more detail and break these down. So number one, you are the reason why they're not buying. And I don't mean you as a personal thing. I mean that there's something about you that they don't understand. They haven't felt connected to you, that they are not resonating with you. They they just don't know if you are for them, right? That you are for them. And so this goes down into building a relationship. And so really take a look at how are you building know, like, and trust with you as the specific entity. Now, if you are listening to this on behalf of a bigger company or a brand, I still would caution you that even if you're representing a brand, and I'm using air quotes here, that it needs to feel like there's some kind of a connection. There's some kind of a connection. And so the best companies make it feel personal. The best companies, even if they're really big, you feel like they get you as a human being and that there is synergy between what you value and what that company values. And so really understand that for me, at least, this comes down to, as you could hear already, core values, right? Is what you believe in the same things that your ideal clients believe in? And have you made that clear? The clearer you can make it, the easier it is to dismantle this, that you are not the right fit for them. Number two is your solution, your product, your service, your programs, your courses, your widget, the thing that you have created that you want people to buy. Now, when you come into this particular component, which is your solution, the thing that you have created is they don't believe that that thing will work for them. It usually comes down to the fact that what they value and what they understand as the problem is not being clearly demonstrated and articulated through your explanation of what it is that you provide. So typically what I see this looking like is you are focusing on features instead of benefits. And you're focusing on all of the things that make your products or services a commodity, um, which just means that instead of standing out as a market of one, go back and listen to that episode if you've missed it, you are starting to become just like a widget, like 
if I want a pen, I'm going to buy this pen or that pen. It really doesn't make any difference because I just need something that writes. That is not where you want to be. You want to be a market of one. And the best way to do this is to stop focusing on all the features and to really hone in on the key benefits and more importantly, the benefits of the benefits that your ideal clients are looking for. When you do that, you captivate your market and you start to stand out head and shoulders above the crowd in order to be able to position your products and services in a very different light. And so if you are finding that your clients don't quite understand what it is that you do, how you serve them, or what your programs or products do, then chances are it's this core area that is causing confusion. And typically it's because we focus on the 600 million modules and the uh, 50 hours of videos and the multiples of worksheets. Course creators, I'm, I'm looking right at you. That is not what people are most interested in buying. They are interested in buying the outcome, the result, and the solution as a result of having gone through your programs and your services and purchasing your products. Yes, even for a pen. There's a way that your product or solution does things that's very different from your competitors. And when you explain this in a way that resonates with what is most important to your ideal clients, that is what allows them to move out of objection land and start moving into yes land, right? Where they're willing and able and, and, and eager to say yes to purchasing your products and services. The third thing is it's them. So now typically you will see that this is more in line with uh, services, but I see this in an awful lot with more complex product solutions as well. So technology would be a perfect example of this. If you operate in the SaaS space, so software as a service, if you sell more complex technology uh, products where people need a demo or they need to be, there needs to be some kind of an explanation in order to be able to have people either try it and buy it or to be able to be confident enough to buy it. So I'm thinking about like computers back in the day when they were first made, people didn't feel confident about being able to spend thousands of dollars on a piece of technology, like something that they would have in their homes and actually use it without breaking it, without being scared or nervous. And so that was all about them, like them not being ready. And so part of that could have also been that the solution itself was so new, was so cutting edge that they were uncertain about the product itself. But when we think about your ideal clients, oftentimes when you hear this or when this kind of underlying current comes up, it sounds like, well, I don't think that's going to work for me. But my business is different. My clients are very unique. Uh, I don't know if that's going to actually fit for where I am in my journey. Does any of these sound familiar? Maybe you have even said this yourself. And I am going to challenge you in saying that typically when this happens, it's because of one of these three things. But after you have done a great job of making sure that it's not you, right? Like you've done a great job of explaining your brand, your company, your mission, your values, your vision, 
and really creating rapport and building a relationship with your ideal clients and your, your solution is something that delivers great results. It does what it promises and you know what that promise looks like. And you have been able to explain this not only in like jargony technical words, but in plain language that your ideal clients actually resonate with because it means something to them in their lives and, and or in their business. Then the last piece is really, it's about them. It's their, about their faith and their ability and their confidence to be able to do the work or use the products in such a way that they can get the outcome, that they can get the result. And at the end of the day, if they don't believe that their life can afford it, if they don't believe that their life can provide the, um, the time, if they don't believe that they have the capability of doing this, then guess what's going to happen? They are not going to buy. And so when you think about these three things, you can see already that so many different objections actually like funnel in to these three things. And then if you can make sure that your products and services and your programs and courses that you create for your ideal clients can address at the core each one of these three things, then you have basically removed like 99% of the types of objections that you will actually see surfacing. This goes so deep and so like next level that it doesn't even matter what people are actually saying on the surface. If you have already created an opportunity for your business to position itself within the context of your products and services, such that these three things, the reasons why people don't ultimately buy, because they're disguised as objections, that you have done your due diligence in really digging deep to see, like, is there any reason why my ideal clients wouldn't buy because of me, because of something that I have said in the way that I position myself, the way that my business is represented, the way that my vision or my values is communicated, that they just don't get me and we don't resonate. And that has not been made clear, then yeah, that's something that you need to address because guess what? That's going to come up in a conversation, in a sales presentation, in a discovery call where you are now being challenged on, well, how do I know if you can actually deliver the goods? How do I know if you're legitimate? Those are things that will are a breakdown of trust. And that is something that your marketing in particular should be doing some heavy lifting around. The, and then the second part with your solution, again, making sure that your product pages, your sales pages really emphasize the solution. You have testimonials on there and that you can show people that there is a reason why this product or service is important for them. And then the last piece around them is giving people Again, a glimpse of what it would be like for them to be able to do this, but also breaking down the barriers that they believe and perceive are reasons why they actually won't be able to get the result, even if it's worked for other people and even if it's worked for you. And so you really need to dial this in in order to make sure that no matter what objection comes up, your ideal clients have an opportunity to say yes in working with you. If you picked one of these, whether it's referrals, networking, social media, other people's audiences, or going to where they are and creating some sort of contest or giveaway and making an offer to those people consistently over the course of 30 days, there is no way that you would not get at least one paying client. It would be 
virtually impossible. Like you would have to either self-sabotage or have very little clarity around what it is that you do and who you do it for in order for this not to work. So friend, I know that if you are clear on the promise that you deliver, the problem that you solve, and the person that you do this with, that there is no way that these specific strategies will allow you to get clients today. Now, if you need some help and support in moving forward with this, I'm going to invite you to come and take a look at my very precious community called Sales Mastery Society, where I work with entrepreneurs just like you to make sure that you are digging in deeper than just what other experts out there may be telling you instead of, you know, constantly churning and chasing your tail and getting stuck on that hamster wheel over and over again, that you are actually going a little bit deeper than um, what may be on the surface so that you can ultimately get the biggest, baddest results that you ultimately want. I would love to see you over there in, uh, in that community, salesmasterysociety.com. Check out the show notes below. The link will be there for you as well. Thanks so much for joining me and I will see you on our very next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.